wake up, America. Don't hit the snooze button. Global warming alert. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? My name is Jesse Romero. This is the Terry and Jesse show. This is High Energy Catholic Blue Collar Radio. My partner Terry's out doing some apostolic work, but I invite you to hang out with me, family, to this holy hour of power. I promise to uh, give you some full contact Catholicism. A lot of things I want to talk about today. We're going to be uh, interviewing the producer of the film, St. Michael the Archangel, on the second segment. His name's Oscar Delgado, personal friend of mine. He's uh, a Hollywood producer, and now he's making Catholic films. So we're going to be talking about him and showing you a video clip on the next segment, the movie St. Michael Michael the Archangel. It's going to be debuted for one day tomorrow, September 29th, the feast day of St. Michael in the U.S., in the U.K., and in Poland. I also want to give you an update on Mark Houck. He's a personal friend of mine. Uh, and Mark is uh, the latest victim of our out-of-control president and our weaponized law enforcement. Then, then obviously, we're going to talk to Church Militant about uh, the church news, the culture, and politics at large. But month the, the month of September is almost almost nearing an end, and I just want to remind you that the month of September is devoted to Our Lady of Sorrows. Our Lady of Sorrows is a devotion given to us by St. Bridget of Sweden. She lived back in the 14th century. During the month of September, which is devoted to Our Lady of Sorrows, we're invited to console the sorrowful heart of Mary and to unite our prayers to hers. And by doing so, to receive those beautiful graces of consolation and strength that come from her. The instructors at Liber Christo, they teach that it is helpful to do a novena to Our Lady of Sorrows, asking her to reveal any sins or vices or generational spirits that may be plaguing a person or a family. According to the church's tradition, because Our Lady went through different sorrows throughout the course of her life, she merited different things. And one of the things that Our Lady of Sorrows merited while standing beneath the cross was the ability to reveal things, and she knows them more than anyone else in heaven except for God because of her closeness to Him. Our Lady is the one to go to for secret knowledge. As it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 35, And you yourself... A sword will pierce so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Luke chapter 2 verse 35. What our Lord is revealing through St. Simeon is if there's something that you need to know that's hidden, you go specifically to Our Lady under the title of Our Lady of Sorrows and she'll reveal it to you. Why? She can give graces to, the, to reveal the roots to these problems, the personal sins that you may be wrestling with, the sins within your family line. And she's been given this grace by God because her heart was pierced so that the hearts of many can be exposed. Also, I want to mention that uh, a pro-life volunteer has been shot. There seems to be a difference in the 
criminal justice system the way it's meted out in the U.S. today. And I say that as a retired L.A. cop, today the law enforcement seems to be, or the Department of Justice seems to be, the criminal, or the Department of Injustice, or the criminal injustice system. There is a law for liberals, leftists, and there is a law for patriots and conservatives. Two different laws. This story should get your ire. An an 84-year-old pro-life volunteer was shot in the back last week while doing door-to-door to raise awareness about Proposal 3, which is an abortion ballot measure in Michigan. The woman, who remains anonymous, was reportedly shot in the back shoulder area while leaving a residence after a heated conversation. The identity and motive of the shooter are unknown, and the victim is recovering from this gunshot wound. Can you imagine if the shoe was in the other foot? If a liberal was canvassing, going from door to door, promoting some type of liberal cause like Planned Parenthood, and imagine if a pro-life Catholic with a crucifix in his living room would grab a gun and shoot this uh, this young pro-abortion promoting uh, uh, leftist in the back. Imagine what would happen. The FBI would be knocking down that door within 30 minutes. I also want to mention about a, one of the great senators that we have, Senator Marsha Blackburn. She's a Republican from Tennessee. And also Cynthia Loomis, a Republican from Wyoming. They both sent a letter to the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. They're pressing the federal agency to provide data on the effects of a puberty-inhibiting drug recently warned about by some medical experts. The drug is designed to inhibit the onset of puberty in children with a rare condition that causes puberty to come dangerously early. But the practitioners of trans medicine, they administer the drug to physically healthy minors. And why is the medical community doing this? Because there's a lot of money, there are tons of money to be made in this trans medicine. Follow the money. Why did why have uh, several states legalized marijuana? Follow the money. Why is it that uh, many pro boards in this country are so angry about Roe versus Wade being overturned uh, by the U.S. Supreme Court? Follow the money. These are all huge money-making enterprises, money-making satanic enterprises, because it's all blood money is what it is. And this is why people become so miffed about uh, when you start taking away their, their, their dark, their blood money. Hey, let me go to today's gospel, talk about today's saint, before we have on my friend Oscar Delgado in the next segment. Today's holy gospel, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Luke chapter 9, verse 57 to 62. Very short gospel, but it got a lot of punch to it. It says a whole lot. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were proceeding on their journey, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus answered him, Foxes have dens and the birds of the skies have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. And to another he said, 
follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. But he answered him, let the dead bury their dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to my family at home. Jesus answered. No one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to, to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. What our Lord is teaching here is a principle that makes us all saints. It's called the principle of self-detachment. To get to heaven, ultimately, we're going to have to, and it's going to take training, we're going to have to learn to detach from everything. Verse 59 kind of jumps out at me where the young man says, Lord, uh, he says, uh, that he's got to go bury his father in verse 57. He says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now, don't get me wrong. This is a sacred responsibility. And it's a practical extension of the commandment to honor one's parents in the fourth commandment. The duty of Christian disciples. But here's the point that our Lord's making. Is that the duty of Christian discipleship is even more sacred than your duties to your parents. That's what he's teaching. It's hyperbole, but he's basically trying to teach us self-detachment. Jesus is always asking us for total commitment. We must love him above all else. And when he calls, we must be willing to answer the call. That's the point of today's gospel. And in verse 62, where our Lord, uh, where our Lord says, uh, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. In other words, what does this mean? Looking back. That means you're postponing your commitment to Christ. You're postponing your commitment to the kingdom. And that's tantamount to rejecting Jesus and his message. Our Lord Jesus Christ shows himself more demanding than Elijah, who permitted Elisha to kiss his parents goodbye before following him in 1 Kings 19, 19. Yes, Jesus is teaching us self-detachment, which is painful, but it will be worth it at the end. Last thing I want to mention is, uh, Saturday, October 1st, there's an organization called ZionMissionHouse.com, ZionMissionHouse.com. These are Catholic men. They're meeting this October 1st, Saturday. Catholic men don't who face the challenges of life alone. We're a Catholic men's house committed to prayer, brotherhood, and works of mercy. Come and see what your life at Zion Mission would look like. Go to zionmissionhouse.com. It's a house for Catholic men to live in community. zionmissionhouse.com, zionmissionhouse.com. Up next, Oscar Delgado. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. The life of a Christian on earth is a struggle, a fight. We are threatened by various dangers. 
It was the evil that crushed me, which never allowed me to be truly free. St. Michael is the breath of the Holy Spirit who will defeat the Antichrist and all evil spirits. Well, after the Holy Trinity and Mary, St. Michael is the most powerful being of God. Tell everyone that I grant all graces, that I have great power as the one who stands before God. A happy nation in which St. Michael the Archangel is venerated. Here, one comes to seek answers to the question of the meaning of our life. It is worth knowing that on this path, we have a discreet companion. St. Michael, meet the angel. In select movie theaters only on September 29th. Can't wait. Can't wait to watch it tomorrow. Hey, uh... I'm here with my friend Oscar Delgado. He's an independent Hollywood producer, a philanthropist, and a former NBC News senior war correspondent. Now he makes Catholic movies. His, in his latest film, he made a movie called Purgatory a while back ago. Great movie. I went to go watch it when it came out. And now his latest film, which comes out tomorrow, it's, it's, a, it's being released all over the country. It's being debuted September 29th, the feast day of St. Michael the Archangel in the USA, the UK, and in Poland. Oscar, welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show, my friend. What inspired you to do this film? Well, I mean, what you do every day, Jesse, is like you tell people, this is a battle. This is a war. And so I listened to you. I've been praying about it. And I was presented with this. I said, Oscar, we got this. Uh, we want to do something on St. Michael. We want to do something on the, on the Prince of the Angels. And I'm like, okay, we got to do this because it's needed. I mean, Jesse, you're on the front line, man. I mean, we're all on the front line, and we need to do something. Yeah. So I made this documentary, and I was like, and then they asked me, Mr. Delgado, um, well, what date would you want to do this? What time? What date do you want to release it? And I was like, and they gave me a couple of dates. I said, no, I don't want to do this. I want September 29th. If we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. So I said, Mr. Delgado, okay. So, I mean, for whatever reason, they respect my judgment. I'm very thankful for that, for Fathom and Fathom events, and they, they allowed me to pick the date, and I picked that date for to, to connect. You know, the, we got to connect heaven and earth. And so sometimes you should do things on feast days. So I said, you know what, St. Michael, this is your film. You open it. I'm a little bit disappointed about Florida. I don't know what's going on over there. I thought mm. we were going to take the hurricane away, but, you know, what can we do? You know, so it's cost uh, a little bit to not be there, but, you know, what are we going to do? So St. Michael is an ultimate victor, but... You know, it's just one day only. If people want to go to stmichaelmovie.com, it's spelled out, Saint, and it's playing in your area. It's almost 1,200 theaters in Puerto Rico, wow. in the UK, and in Puerto Rico. So it's it's a big release. Um, and I bet, basically, uh, I bet the farm on St. Michael to get me through it. So we need it. That's why I'm doing it. Hey, uh, Oscar, tell us, tell us the story of the Gargano Shrine in eastern Italy. A lot of people don't know about the story. Well, it was very interesting. There was a, a devil worshiping cult there, and uh, and one day um, the there was a there was kind of a disturbance in that uh, cave, and uh, 
they went and they checked it out and they they brought in St. Michael. St. Michael went in there and cleaned it out, cleaned it out. Wow. And what's interesting, I don't want to give too much away on the film, but I'll tell you one thing, I'll tell you this one little secret so that people understand the power of St. Michael. It is the only church in Gargano, I'm glad you brought that up, and the only church in the world that has never been consecrated by a bishop. Because St. Michael himself said, I have consecrated this church. You can start saying uh, the holy sacrifice of the mass immediately. And so it's, you know, so it's amazingly powerful. And you can see the power of St. Michael. I mean, that's one of the stories. But uh, if your viewers go out there and check it out, I mean, they'll see a lot of different things and the importance of St. Michael and how we need him more than ever. I mean, we are in a battle. And so it's important to uh, foster devotion to St. Michael and to your guardian angel, because this is uh, this is the battle that we're in. We need them to help us. God does not leave us alone. You know this, Jesse. Amen. You know, yeah. you preach yeah. about it every day. Amen. You and Terry. So, you know, I'm, t- I'm preaching to the choir. No, no, but you're preaching to a lot of people that need, they need this basic information. So let me ask you, Oscar, why do you think the devotions and even basic knowledge about St. Michael and the angels, it seems like it disappeared for decades and it's and it's making a comeback. I'm happy, but how and when did all of this begin? Well, I think it was you know there was a uh, effort, a concerted effort, and I believe it's a demonic effort. And I say that to lessen lessen our devotions, not just the the, the devotion to the, to the to the angels, but also to the uh, to the rosary, all these different things, right? Because why? Why, Jesse? Because it lessens the power. Lessens. We need the sacraments, yes, but we also need our devotions. It strengthens us. And so I believe that that was a concerted effort. So they took away the prayer at the end of Mass to St. Michael and all those different things. And I think that was a demonic strategy, to be honest with you. So what happens? It opens you up, you know. As you'll see in the film, you'll see that that bringing in St. Michael and bringing in the Holy Angels, it, it fortifies you as you go into this battle. It, it gets you stronger. We need them. God gives us each one of us an angel. You know, one angel, we're not alone. So that's why I really encourage people. And they say, oh, Oscar, it's one day. I go, yeah, I don't have like $100 million to do a release for two weeks and spend. But I just like, I said, St. Michael, this is your film. Uh, I'll do it on your day. I'm going to trust the people out there that are devoted and understand what we're up against to learn more about the Holy Angels. And what a way to celebrate the feast, to go and see the film. So, you know, that's what I'm asking people to do. And, and it's for everyone, you know. You know, uh, Oscar, you you mentioned the Leonine prayers that were at, that were said after the uh, yeah. after yes. the Latin Mass, uh, the three Hail Marys, the Hail Holy Queen. Then the priest says a prayer, and then you do the Saint Michael the Archangel prayer. Pope yes. Thirteenth. One of the reasons he gave us those prayers was to fight off against communism. Correct. And uh, to, <laughs> right. to, to me, it seems. Uh, thanks be to God. It seems uh, I'm seeing this return to the Leo nine prayers, even at Novus Ordo masses, you're right. having Catholics stay after and they're doing the Leo nine prayers. But let me ask you the return to the Leo nine prayers. Where does that figure in all of this, in all of this that's happening right now? How important is it? It's incredibly important. I mean, remember we have to, I mean, it's like this, Jesse, and this is how I look at things. I mean, if you're going to run a marathon, right, we're going to run a marathon. What do you got to do? You got to train. You got to train. You're not going to be able to, oh, you know what? I'm going to run 26 miles and get up in the morning and run. It is a training. So these prayers 
we're getting trained. We're getting ready. We're getting prepared. We're not going to go out there naked. We need to be uh, foster our devotions. And right now, you know, Revelation 12, Jesse, every single page is about the angels, the holy angels. If you look at the Revelation 12, we are here. We are here. So I am asking people, we need to move forward. We need to fight. We're not alone. But this is why I'm doing this. This is tough. It's very tough on me. But I want us to understand, awaken people, awaken. We are here. We need the holy angels. And the other thing is, I'd really encourage people, if possible, ask your um, local priest, and maybe they'll allow you to say the prayer of St. Michael at the end in unity. That's one of the things, but, you know, it's it's uh, it's a taxing thing. You know, I just, I see us just, the embrace of darkness is just disheartening, to be honest with you. But this embrace, and I'll say it very plainly, by many of our leaders of the church is is just disheartening it's very disheartening and so we got to fight with that we got to pray for them but we also have to understand we have weapons at our disposal to take these to take things into our own uh, hands and one of those is to cultivate a devotion to the holy angels and to saint mike amen i beg you guys please think about that oscar where can people see the film in theaters tell us the website and how can people see the film okay it's saintmichaelmovie.com, S-A-I-N-T, michaelmovie.com. You go up, click on there, and it's, it's saying where it's playing all over the country. Again, in almost 1,200 theaters. But get your tickets, and uh, um, and you, that's where you can get it. You see the trailer again. That's the website, saintmichaelmovie.com. Any final words for our listeners, Oscar? Um. Just, you know, just remember that you're not alone, that God has given us a guardian angel. Remember that I know that it's, it's tough out there, but try to cultivate uh, uh, a devotion to the holy angels. And I think that if you bring your family and friends to see this film, you will come away with uh, an appreciation and a new uh, inspiration to for the holy angels. Give us the website one more time, Oscar. Saint, S-A-I-N-T, Saint Michael movie. Hey, uh, what do you see amongst young Catholics today around the country? Is there some, do you see a resurgence uh, in in going back to the traditions and devotions of the church? Absolutely. That's where the, that's where the growth is, Jesse. The growth is there. The growth is in tradition because what what people are looking for, the young people are looking for authenticity. We got to remember and the author, they don't want to live a compromised life. They want the real deal. And the real deal straight is the tradition. The real deal straight is to really live your faith. They don't want things compromised, watered down. They've lived it, and they've seen it, and it doesn't go anywhere. We need the power of those traditions that are embedded in our DNA and into our soul that we can then live uh, out. Because as the culture gets darker, we need to get stronger. You know, And the way to do that is to cling to our tradition. Timothy says, as you know, cling to the tradition. Don't things that cling to tradition. Mm-hmm. And one of those is to do this film and to to, uh, to really love the holy angels and fall in love with them again. You know, it's uh, interesting. You, you mentioned that Oscar, a very famous actor, just had a conversion as a result of tradition. Uh, Labouf, I forget yes. his first name. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah Labouf. Yes, yes. Yeah, Labouf said that. Uh, he started coming back to the church, but he said he was attracted to the Latin mass 
because he felt they weren't, he goes, I felt they weren't selling me anything. They weren't selling me a car. Right. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Right. Because that's what the young people are looking for. They want to straight. They want it straight, man. They want things the truth. They don't want to be. Listen, I always say to everybody, you don't nuance your way into heaven. There is no nuancing your way to heaven. You got to be like, hey, this is it. God said, yes, yes. You're yes, yes. You're no, no. There is no nuancing your way to heaven. Play it straight. Get tradition and develop devotions. And, and especially the holy angels, because we are in. Revelation 12. We are in the battle. Amen. Thank you very much, my friend. We've been talking, we've been talking to Oscar Delgado. You you got it, brother. Uh, An independent Hollywood producer. Go watch the movie tomorrow. St. Michael the movie. St. Michael the movie. We'll see you tomorrow at one of the 1200 theaters. God bless you. Keep the faith. Up next, talk a little bit about uh, Mark Houck and what's happening to him. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We have entered into a time where I call the Department of Justice the Department of Injustice and the criminal justice system the criminal injustice system. We're seeing all this under the Biden administration. I can't believe what my eyes saw the other day. The FBI raided the house of a... I know this guy. I know Mark Houck. (laughs) This guy's about the most, uh, you know, Jesus-loving, Marian devotee, uh, fired-up Catholic family man that I've ever met. This guy's guy's a salt-of-the-earth type of individual. This is the type of guy you want for your next-door neighbor. This is the type of guy you want your daughter to marry. Yeah, but but, uh, Mark Haug has been through a nightmare. The Biden administration's terror campaign rained upon his house. And it's raining against conservatives, patriots, and people of faith. Let's let's make no bones about it. Yep. Uh, Brian Middleton, a spokesman for the Haug family, told the press that the unthinkable has arrived at our doorsteps And we better begin to recognize the unthinkable. What's that? That's where law enforcement, the the FBI, will violate your Fourth Amendment rights. Why? As Bill Clinton said when he was asked, why did you have sex with Monica Lewinsky? He said, because I can. I'm sure if you ask Joe Biden, uh, if, uh, if, if the mic was not turned on and you ask him, why did you guys do this in Merrick Garland? Why did you guys do this to Donald Trump and Mark Houck? You know what they would say? Because we can. They're drunk with power. So last Friday morning, for those of you that still don't know what happened, there was a routine manner for the Hauk family. They live in rural Pennsylvania. Mark woke up his wife, Ryan Marie, just before 7, went down to the kitchen to, to put a quiche in the oven. His wife went to take a quick shower. They had a co-op day that day. Ryan Marie, she's a mother of seven young children. She told LifeSite News that around midday, that uh, because they're a homeschool family, they were going to the shrine of Our Lady of Chestahova in Doylestown for co-op classes with other homeschool families. And Mark, he teaches there. He teaches boys virtue class. 
And so at about 7.05 that morning, their morning was forcefully disrupted when a mini army of between 25 and 30 FBI agents, acting like if this guy's Osama bin Laden or something, in around 15 vehicles rapidly descended upon the Hogg family residence, swarming the yard with rifles in a firing position as some of the agents began violently pounding the front door, demanding that it be open or they would bust it down. Though Mark attempted to calm the agents due to the presence of his children, they continued yelling, and when he opened the door, the agents had big, huge rifles pointed at Mark and pointed at his wife and kind of pointed them throughout the house. The kids were in the staircase. They're all screaming. Can you imagine the, how scary and traumatic it must have been? So, this was the harrowing experience of the arrest of 48-year-old Mark Houck. And for what crime? Bomb threats? Serial murder spree? No, not so much. Mark, a pro-life sidewalk counselor who volunteers this time, doesn't get paid for this, stepped in front of an abortion center escort who was targeting his, his 12-year-old son with a vile, insulting language and invading his space, saying, your dad's an F-A-G. That's what he was t- saying to Mark's 12-year-old son. And other things that I can't mention in this radio show because it's a family show. So when, the, when this escort leaned forward, Mark pushed this, this aggressor to the ground. This guy was invading his 12-year-old space and getting in his face. So after this case was thrown out of the Philadelphia District Court, Mark received the target letter informing him that U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland's Department of Justice was opening a federal investigation into the charges. Surprise, surprise. So the Hub family, immediately being law-abiding citizens, they informed the federal district attorney in Philadelphia that they were aware of the action and would be willing to come in at any point in, in, in time to discuss. Well, the next communication that the Hawk family received from the feds was with the Friday morning raid at 7.05 a.m., like if he's some type of drug cartel dealer. So, in a Monday interview on the John Henry Weston show, the Hawk family spokesman Brian Middleton observed that it is fair to infer motivation when you see such an action. And really, there's no logical, rational reason. There's no good reason for this kind of excessive use of force. To me, this indicates that there must be ulterior motives that remain unstated. The, The ulterior motives is this is a political hit job against conservatives, patriots, and pro-lifers. The reality is, let's wake up, America, is we've reached a tipping point in our time where we got to stop pretending that we don't know what it is that we, that we do know. And what do we know? We do know that we're living under a tyrannical dictator right now. The unthinkable has arrived at our store doorsteps here in America, and we better begin to recognize the unthinkable. What then might that unthinkable reality be? that ought to be identified and brought to light. Well, this is what it's an in, this is the inconvenient truth people just still don't want to admit. 
is that the FBI just may well be the best funded and equipped terrorist organization in the world. Did you hear that? I'm a retired cop. I can tell you this. I know a lot of cops that have been fired and prosecuted for excessive force under the color of authority without proper justification. Excessive force in law enforcement is a crime, and it's a violent crime because people get hurt. And if you notice the list of victims of these violent crimes, we see hundreds of January 6th Trump supporters, pro-life activists, and medical freedom advocates, all mostly comprised of conservative Christians. Surprise, surprise. As has been obvious to anyone with eyes to see, including Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Senator Josh Hawley, Republican from uh, Missouri, and uh, Representative Ronnie Jackson, Republican from Texas, and many more. These SWAT-type raids are clearly politically motivated, especially given their contrast to the astronomically more serious leftist crimes that have gone unaddressed. Think about the you know, 274 riots that happened with two years in some of these major cities where buildings, courthouses, police cars, police stations were being burned down. Some police stations were being burned down with cops in them. And guess what? Nothing happened to these uh, Antifa BLM types. Why? Because what they are is they're basically the military arm of the Democrat Party. So they get away and there's no, there's no charges pressed against them because they're on the right side of the political issues according to the Democrat Party. There's a widely used term for the utilization of violence or the threat of violence, especially against civilians in the pursuit of political goals. We call this terrorism. And we also have a word for individuals and organizations that utilize terrorism as an intentional method in pursuit of their political ends. They're called terrorists. And so what can we conclude? Well, despite the veneer of impeccable appearances, the FBI may be best, may be the best funded and equipped terrorist organization in the world And while these deep state terrorist activists under Merrick Garland's Department of Justice have taken such aggression against the American people to a whole new level, they have been developing in the background for quite some time. Yep. The FBI has has a history of making some really bad decisions. As early as 2012, Rolling Stone magazine reported on how in response to 9-11, the FBI adopted new counterterrorism tactics, which equated to many incidents of entrapment. In these scenarios, FBI operatives would set up violent terrorist plots, even pressuring and tutoring vulnerable individuals, and then swoop in as the heroes to stop it, providing the agency with favorable publicity in its fight against Islamic terror. In addition, there's a book titled The Terror Factory, wherein the author investigated every terror prosecution from 2001 to 2013 and discovered that at least 50 of the defendants faced convictions due to the criminal activity FBI operatives both encouraged and enabled. And at least one 2015 terrorist attack in Garland, Texas, which Tucker Carlson covered 
an FBI agent helped facilitate a shooting spree, which was fortunately thwarted by local police before the gunman could harm any innocent people. And more recently, supposed terrorists were acquitted by a jury in a widely publicized plot to kidnap hard-left Democrat Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer in 2020 when it emerged that the FBI helped facilitate this charade, likely for deep state propaganda purposes. And finally, we have the case of what perhaps may be the largest entrapment operation in the history of the terrorist FBI. And that's the orchestration of the January 6, 2021 disturbance at the U.S. Capitol, a story Revolver News broke in the summer of 2021, which was amplified by Tucker Carlson. In summary, the Fox News host affirmed that FBI operatives were organizing the attack on, on, on the Capitol on January 6, according to government documents. And so with the arrival of the Biden regime in, in January 2021, Tucker Carlson observed the FBI has changed its focus. It's no longer going after Islamic extremists. It's now going after Joe Biden's political opponents. Up next, update with Church Militant on church news, culture, and politics. We'll be right back. Stick around. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. You have to tell us about uh, church news, culture, and politics. Hunter Bradford, welcome, my friend. What's going on, partner? What's uh, What do you guys got going on tonight? Uh, we, man, we've got a lot. How are you guys doing? I want to know. We are uh, better than most, not as good as some, and we're just trying to keep our, uh, you know, keep our heads above water and uh, try not to get arrested by the FBI. Yeah, unlike, uh, unfortunate for uh, Mark Houck. But uh, in other news, church news, uh, so the General Secretariat of the Synod of Synodality's Facebook page put out these bizarre graphics, these pictures. Mm. Uh, some, one picture had a, pre a woman in priestly garb uh, other pictures had all these different words on the page, words like LGBTQ plus identity and dialogue and radical hospitality, social change, inclusion. And one of those words on the page was the word gospel. And I think that's really mm -hmm. symbolic of, of these radicals because the gospel is just one of the many things that they want to push. And not only do, is the gospel just sort of something in their life. They want to change the gospel. They want to rewrite the gospel. If they could backspace and delete certain words in scripture, mm -hmm. I think they would. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you guys are there on ground zero, Hunter. I, th I think um, all this yeah. nonsense really started by a group called Call to Action back in the 70s over... Shout out there to Cardinal John Dearden. Yeah, I think you guys, I think it happened, started in Detroit, Michigan. It just kind of fanned out throughout the country, went to Chicago from there. But now, I don't know where Call to Action is today, but I think they've morphed into another organization that's basically picked up the banner, and they're called the Association of United States Catholic Priests, the AUSCP. Right. Our mutual friend, um, uh, Michael Hitchborn, 
He's yep. just done a bang-up job following these guys and just exposing these. These guys are the classic modernists that basically took they took the baton. <clears throat> when call the action stopped, these guys picked the, bat- the baton, gave themselves a new name, and they've continued the destruction of the church post-Vatican II. Precisely. And actually, I think the situation is so bad that I don't think it's just the AUSCP that has picked up call to actions baton. I think uh, most bishops' conferences are doing that. I think when you look at what the Germans are doing over there in the church in Germany, uh, it's all-out warfare on tradition and church teaching. I think Father James Martin uh, personally feels like it's his responsibility to pick up the torch of call to action and John Dearden. I think everyone that McCarrick has laid hands on uh, in one way or another, unfortunately, Mm -mm. God, that's horrible. Um, And uh, you, you think of Cardinal Bernadine's influence, you think of uh, the USCCB today. I mean, think of a couple years ago, they put out a vote. Uh, some of the bishops, and not a, not a small number of them, did not think that abortion was the preeminent issue. You have a yeah. uh, newly minted cardinal uh, over in San Diego, Robert McElroy. He has claimed in the past that climate change uh, has killed more people than abortion. Just straight up ridiculousness that Pope Francis uh, at least doesn't care enough to... Uh, to laicize them for. Yeah, I mean, uh, this the, the, he should be handing out excommunications left and right because you have people <clears throat> that are completely uh, trying to undo the, the perennial teachings of the church and completely opposing the magisterial teachings, and that's where we, that's exactly where the office of the Pope comes in. Precisely. He's supposed to be like, the, the supposed to be like an umpire, manner. Bradford. Sorry, the call, same call, call balls and strikes hands out money uh, it, with it should be the same manner that Pope Francis is handing out excommunications for the bishops with. And it's not like, you know, excommunication is something light, but so many bishops have merited excommunication. Think of the, the bishops of Chile a couple of years ago, all 34, 33 of them uh, offered their resignation. Uh, and it's not just Chile that the the gay homosexual crime syndicate exists in. It's all over the world. So it shouldn't be just Chilean bishops that have offered and whose resignations have been accepted. They just had the they just had the courage to admit, to admit it. <laughs> right. So what exactly. else is coming up? Talk to us about this Michigan man and uh, and what happened over him. Uh, I guess he shot somebody over in uh, in. That was knocking at his door or something like that. Give us the yes. scenario. So an old 80-something-year-old pro-life woman was wow. canvassing uh, to get people to vote no on, the, on Proposal 3. Uh, it's an initiative that will be on the ballot here in Michigan this November. It will, if passed, legalize abortion up to birth. Now, this pro-life woman was canvassing, going door-to-door, uh, you know, talking to uh, local Michiganders. And she, she met the wife. And the wife says, no, I'm not, I'm not going to vote no. I'm going to vote yes on Proposal 3. And this old, fiery, five-foot-tall, 80-something-year-old pro-life woman continues to talk her, attempt to talk her out of it. And the situation and conversation begins to get heated, so much so that the husband, uh, on a different place on the property, I think he was in the barn at the time, wow. actually hears the commotion, comes over with a gun, and has claimed in an interview recently that he accidentally shot the 84, 80-something-year-old pro-life woman in the back. Uh, Now, luckily, the pro-life woman actually 
walked off after or stumbled away after the shot, uh, was able to get in the car, drive herself to a hospital, um, and things are looking up from there. But yes, this uh, pro-life woman was shot, shot by a guy named Richard Harvey, who admits to shooting uh, the pro-life woman. Now, the county prosecutor is waiting for the police report to file charges, but why why does there seem to be why does justice seem to be very slow uh, with with anti-life people but juxtapose that with Mark Hauk, the uh, faithful Catholic father of homeschooled seven children mm. who the FBI whose house the FBI raided and I, I heard something like 20 something SWAT team members went into the house charged into the house and arrested him in front of his seven homeschooled children. Uh, they were swift, they were aggressive, they were over the top with Mal Mark Houck, a, a faithful Catholic, but with this guy who shoots an old defend an old woman in the back, uh, we're, you know, we're gonna take in the police report and we're gonna take things slow. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me, uh, the criminal justice system right now, uh, justice is not blind. Lady Justice is no longer blind. Correct. With that, with that blindfold that you know we see in, in pictures. No, if you're a liberal, you get treated with kid gloves. If you're a patriot or conservative or a person of faith, uh, they give you the letter of the law. They violate your rights and they throw the book at you. I'll give you an example. Can you imagine? Not, not to di divert too much. Alex Baldwin. He shoots a uh, kills a fellow member while filming a movie. Mm -hmm. You know, he says, you know, he accidentally shot a, an actress who, uh, as they were filming a movie. Can you imagine if it was Mel Gibson, right, who accidentally shoots somebody Caviezel. making a movie, or Jim Caviezel? They would have been thrown uh, in, in in the darkest dungeon, and they would have thrown the key away again. It just they're just the criminal justice system has a set of rules for people of faith and for secular humanists. So what else do you guys got having coming on tonight, Hunter? Uh, well, so I, I will briefly mention uh, the, the newest Rasmussen report survey. But uh, I think the, these local these new and recent arrests and raids by the FBI on people of faith really tell you that the faith is the ultimate enemy. That is the thing that they are scared about most. Not, not necessarily the people of faith, um, but the faith itself. But like I said, the Rasmussen reports. So a recent survey uh, indicates that over half of the country believes that the U.S. will soon enter 1930s-like uh, depression era. Uh, that's 57% to be exact. And actually 21% think a depression is, quote, very likely. Uh, but with all, with that said, I don't think uh, I, I still think that abortion and the issue of murder of the unborn is going to be the primary reason uh, why leftists come out and vote. And unfortunately, people care more about their sin uh, than their standard of life, even if uh, the economy gets so bad to warrant being called a depression. I still think that the left is going to come out in droves uh, this November, and um, we got to do everything we can to stop that. Absolutely. Uh, the left never goes asleep, and uh, they never get tired of working for the culture of death. 
we have to same have to have the same attitude. And remember, we're not angels; we have bodies, so we have to get involved right. in our in, in our local politics. We've got to vote. We've got to support the right people. We've got to you know uh, get uh, you know bumper stickers, yard signs, whatever you can do. You know, post it on your social media. The people that are pro life, the people that are pro freedom, pro family, pro God. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, obviously, we have to also pray as if everything depends on God. So it's, it's, a, it's a twofold strategy. It's the spiritual, it's prayer, but it's also we have to be active in local politics because the way people get to Washington is they win at the local level. So yes. Catholics must use the principle of subsidiarity and stay involved and be engaged in your local political races. Precisely. Um, the way, the reason that we got, we now have a conservative majority on the Supreme Court, and that that court uh, overturned Roe was because President Trump took office. Now, how did President Trump take office? Because every local, every, he won, you know, he took the oath of office and he won the Electoral College. How did he win the Electoral College? Uh, because of local politics. So uh, politics absolutely matters. Someone who says, you know what, that's worldly stuff. That's not in the chapel. That's not adoration. That's not the rosary. Well, it's not chapel. It's not adoration. That's not rosary. But, uh, you know, prayer and action, that's that's the Catholic um, way of thinking about things. And uh, it's not an option. People need to get involved in politics. It's politics uh, that has now overturned Roe v. Wade and, and brought the issue back to the states. That's right. Hey, Hunter, thank you very much for coming on, my friend. Uh, keep up the good work, and uh, you'll be on the Romero television set tonight as uh, we're taking in all the good information that you guys are putting out. Keep up Thanks the good work me. and say, yep, say hi, to, say hi to all the crew out there. God bless you. See you next week. Will do. You too. Terry and Jesse show, well, that's, uh, that's a wrap. We're coming to an end here. Remember, as Catholics, we got to wake up. Don't hit the snooze button. Let's live in a state of grace. We're, we're, not, we're, we're not good to Holy Mother Church if we're in a state of mortal sin. Pray your rosary every day. Go to Mass as often as possible. Read your Bible every day. The daily Mass readings. Fridays, penance and fasting. Penance and fasting. And remember, to remain in a state of grace, good way to do it, monthly confession. These I call the five stones against Goliath that we should use every single day. God bless you. Keep the faith. See you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel.